You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 3, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners One Day, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We have a really heartfelt wonderful program today that I think that you're really going to enjoy. The topic of self-care for caregivers, we have the one and only Roz Jones. She's an author, a speaker, the CEO of Jacksonville's Best Caregivers and Roz Jones Enterprises. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to speak to your community. Absolutely. Absolutely. We we had a really fun pre-conversation as we do with many of our guests. And Roz, you know what? I'm just reading a little bit of your bio, but before we we hear more about who you are and what you do, you know, um, we know about Roz that she teaches caregivers and their families how to navigate the complexities of caring while supporting the needs of their loved ones and building a healthy foundation of care. So Roz, I know that that is the core of who you are, but tell us how you even got into becoming a caregiver. That was an accident. <laughs> I tell this story and, and, and I have to laugh because uh, as, as I have explained to other uh, people that asked me this, I was in corporate world, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, working as a technical writer, and I would write the processes for part A and part B claims to go through so the doctors could get paid. And... Um, hospitals and facilities that get paid. And so one of the mothers at the church, one of the older ladies at the church was having surgery and didn't have any family. Husband died. Sister had stage four cancer. And she said, I'm just going in for a two-day procedure. Would you come and go with me? Mm. Okay. So, you know, when old people ask you to do something, you know, all of us have that heart for the for the older people. We say yes, even, even, even when we want to say no. Went in the doctor came out, he still had his beanie on, still had his mask on, said, we have an emergency. She's had some difficulties. I couldn't sign anything. I said, I can't, I don't have the authority, whatever the hospital policies are, do it. So I had no power of attorney, healthcare surrogate. I had none of that. And so uh, they went on with the surgery. So two days at a hospital turned into two weeks of care. And after that, while I was taking care for the nurses kept saying, well, Rosalyn, you're doing a good job. Why don't you go down the street? We always need sitters here at the hospital and go down the street and to this company. And that's where we, you know, bring our people in. So I went down there and I said, well, how much are you paying? They told me they said minimum wage. I'm like, hold that thought. So, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, I went on, I started sitting and I went on and got all of my credentials, um, home health days, certified nursing assistant, med tech, all that I needed to be, you know, a, a good caregiver with knowledge and with a lasting impact. So two days turned into two weeks and now I've been doing it more than 10 years, but you know, um, never, this was never in my plan. You know, I had the 10 year, 20 year plan, work, retire. Well, my life changed. And it only takes one incident, one little thing for your life to change between Sunday to Sunday. And that's what changed my life. And it was a good thing. It was a good thing. I don't regret it at all. Wow, what an incredible story. And as many people do, uh, as you said, we, we, you unintentionally got into this 
But as many of us can attest to, once you get into senior living and have a taste of it and uh, realize what an awesome mission it can be and how rewarding it is, uh, you kind of get stuck and, and you love it. It's very rewarding. But one of the things uh, we want to talk with you about today is is what you do in kind of equipping and training, coaching caregivers. And one of those topics is self-care. And I heard you say in our kind of pre-show talk that one of the most important things in self-care is saying no so it sounds kind of counterproductive, but can you kind of explain what you mean in, in about self-care in general? What are the important things and what it means to say no? It means to say no is you keep your sanity. Yeah. <laughs> I have a girlfriend of mine said the word no keeps her from going to jail. So no <laughs> is a good thing. Let's say together. No, 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 no. So you have to learn how to say no because like I said before, it sets boundaries. It helps people to understand not to cross that line. It helps you to stop and to reset so uh, self-care is important because if we don't take care of ourselves and, and I'm probably not the first person that said this you have weight gain you have stress you have anxiety you, you know sometimes you can get bitter if you don't take care of yourself as a caregiver then you get bitter about providing the care and when you're bitter that impacts the other person that's receiving the care so if you're not happy they're not happy. And then also, too, then the person you're taking care of, they start to withdraw because now they feel like they're a burden. And you're expressing to them by not taking care of yourself that it is a burden. So it's important that we look at respite care, which is when someone comes in and gives you a break. It's important to ask for help with self-care. So all of this saying no and setting boundaries and having a community of care is very important in self-care is very important because you can't continue to go and not have a break. It's, it's impossible. Well, it makes a lot of sense. So tell us, you know, your average day, your average person that you're helping, if there is such a thing as an average day. <laughs> Um, what do you typically find is the situation when people are calling you? COVID has changed all of that. There's, you know, it, it used to be somewhat average, but COVID has thrown everything, the baby, the bucket, the water, everything out of the window. So we've had to regroup in our caregiving because of the mental part. You know, uh, mentally, when you come into these facilities, they were not built for isolation. They were never built for isolation. You know, uh, when this started happening, many of the facilities had to keep their residents in their rooms where they're used to coming out all throughout the day and walking up down the hallways. Hey, how you doing? None of that went on for over three months. I know here at this facility for three to four months, no one got out. But while that was happening, people were dying because they were isolated isolated. So I was telling people that as a caregiver, the biggest thing is just to stay in contact, whether through letters, sending a cookie, sending a bottle of scotch to your one, whoever, <laughs> whatever they like, stay in contact. That's the biggest thing, whether you're a long distance caregiver or you're right here in the city, even if you have to stand outside the window or even with my client, we used to drive over to her daughter's house once a week. They couldn't hug and kiss, but to see them, even if it was six feet apart, meant, meant the world. 
but everybody doesn't have that. Everybody's not fortunate to have that. And those, some of those who were not fortunate to have that, they died because of loneliness. So, you know, we have to remember, um, number one, uh, we have to stay in contact because of COVID, whether COVID or not, you know, don't go on those special days, birthday, holidays, anniversaries, the death of a loved one. You got to go more than that. Caregiving does not stop when the person comes into the facility. It doesn't stop. Um, and then also too, with uh, taking care of someone, you have to realize what you can and you can't do. And that's a part of self-care. You have to realize what you can and you can't do. Let me stop talking because I, I, I can go on forever. <laughs> no, don't stop talking. We're, we're enjoying this. But you, you, you were going on, keep going, and you were talking about the self-care, you, what you, what you right. can and you can't do. You've got to realize that. And so what you, what you can do when you, when you begin the caregiving, you sit down and have a conversation with someone and say, okay, what is it that you need? This is what I can do. And this is what I can't do. So since I can't do this, we're going to have to hire someone to come in or we're going to have to solicit help from your church, from your family, from nonprofit agencies to come in and to help. Because I can't do it all. I can't do it all. If that person who you're taking care of decides that they want to move in, then that's another conversation. So there's a conversation you're going to have if they're going to stay at home. There's a conversation you're going to have if they move in with you. Then there's a conversation if you all decided you cannot come to terms of endearment and they have to go to a facility. But all of that as a part of self-care is on these days, I will not, you know, we will not have contact. I have to get some rest. On these days, where I'll have a caregiver come in and make sure you're okay. So you have to set, just like any business, you have, to, you, have, you have policies and procedures. The same thing with caregiving. You got to have something in place to make sure that you mentally are okay and they're mentally okay. You have to, because if not, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Please don't. Roz, that's a great point. You know, um, I can sense just your heart behind this, and I know I can tell why you're such a great leader in, in this field, because um, there's a lot of leadership principles here that really transcend even caregiving. Um, now, let's talk about telehealth and telemedicine. This has been a big topic given the pandemic. It's, um, you know, at the forefront of topic when it involves healthcare. What, what have you seen transpire with do which uh, you have mentioned virtual um, caregiver? And I've not really heard of that before. Talk to us about that. CMS, as, as soon as COVID started hitting, CMS started putting in rules for telehealth medicine, for doctors to come and, you know, look virtually or to actually come into the facilities and do a telehealth, which is good because then that reduces the risk for the patient, it reduces the risk for them to be, you know, catching things and coming in contact with cooties or whatever, you know, the case may be. It's, it's been good because then you come into their setting where they're comfortable. So when you come here into their home, their blood pressure is lower versus when you go to the doctor, their blood pressure may elevate by a few points. You come in here, you can see that they're okay and everything is fine. So telehealth has been good. It's been a good, it's like the old 
It used to do when the doctors would come and visit you long, long time ago before we were born. <laughs> so, you know, they're going back to that. So that's, it, it's a good thing. It's been a good thing. It's, it saved time. It saved money. Um, it saved the risk of transporting someone who may be frail and not able to walk a long distance because sometimes you have to put them in a wheelchair. They can't walk as far to get into the office. So telehealth has been a blessing for a lot of people. Um, the virtual part, so far as the caregiving, for me, has been a blessing, too, because now um, the help that you would normally get with someone coming, now we can sit on a, just like this, a Zoom or um, a chat, whatever, and I can sit and say, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about it. Or, you know, set up a, a, a meeting away from the family so that I can help you with self-care. So virtual caregiving is starting to amp up a lot because of COVID because um, some families did cut off caregiving because some of us go from family to family to take care and they wanted to reduce that risk, but they still needed the support of a caregiver to say, okay, what do I do? How do I handle this? Even though I don't have someone coming in because they were at home. So see, they were working from home versus being away. So they a lot of times they didn't need the caregiver, which was good and bad. But in the in, in in on the end of that, now they have a better appreciation for people like us and why they are needed. So now when they go back to work, they can understand, well, I need to pay this person more than minimum wage because they they were doing more than minimum wage work. So the virtual caregiving has been good. Um, it's particularly for those long distance caregivers, for us to be able to talk to them and say, hey, your mom is doing like this or your dad is doing this. I need help. I need your encouragement. I need your support a little more. So virtual caregiving has been great. Um, it's been good, but still that you, it, you telehealth is good. Virtual caregiving is good, but you cannot replace the human touch. Let me say that at the end of the day, you cannot replace the human touch. Well, you touched on something that it's it's really interesting, and I'm glad that you um, you mentioned it. And I think it kind of touches on what I would say is the family caregiver guilt. Sometimes um, I haven't been on that side of it um, yet. I'm sure at one point um, when my family ages to that point, I will be. But I I've seen it a lot at the community level when families are very reluctant. Um, because they want what's not only what's best for their loved one, but they want to be able to provide everything that that loved one needs. And there's a reluctancy, and and I would say as far as even a guilt about them coming to the community to ask for help in caregiving. And so a lot of times we have to just kind of talk them through that. And it sounds like you see that a lot Um with the community level, but also on the personal level with the family caregivers you've talked to. Am I kind of reading that correctly? You are, you are hitting the nail on the head. Now, let me tell you about the guilt. It, our mothers are good at making us feel bad about things. Y'all know that from little all the way up, you know. So, you know, this is my mom and my dad. Well, you know, it's been so long. And if you were living here in the city, I wouldn't have these problems and I wouldn't need a caregiver. You know, that that guilt type thing. But families are moving out of the community. So it's not that community niche anymore where if something happens, mom would automatically move in or 
you know, so on and so forth. It's not like that anymore. It's not. So, uh, mothers, stop making us feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> we need some hashtag so that mothers can can help look that up. Yes. <laughs> but 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 they do that to let you know that they're lonely. You have to, you have to look at both sides. You know, the guilt is used. It's, so they use it. Say, well, I because they want you to come visit more. Or what happens is um, they'll start complaining about the caregiver. It's because they've gotten attached to the other caregiver or they want you to come and they don't want anybody in the house. So you have to look, you have to monitor that guilt all the way around, you know, because sometimes, the, you know, the guilt could be, you know, I just want you to come. And other times it could be, it could be justified. The caregiver may not be a good fit. Let me say that the caregiver may not be a good fit. But like I said, you have to monitor it because sometimes, you know, the parents will say, well, you're spending too much money. And, you know, I, when I die, I want to leave you some money. Don't fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Roz, I've got another question. Um, and I'm, I, I don't want to just continue to ask so many questions because oh, I know we way. don't have a, a lot of times. But what are some of the uh, you, you obviously help caregivers with setting boundaries, which is part of the self-care. You you help them make, uh, kind of realize that there's, in setting boundaries, there's things that they need to ask for help and help them process through the guilt and all that. But from the cases, from the people that you've helped, what are some of the, the best positive outcomes that you're seeing when caregivers practice good self-care versus caregivers that you see are not? practicing good self-care can you see a, a real difference in the outcomes for that resident or that patient for those who are providing the care if they do the self-care they go to the doctor less they their exercise and their blood pressure is low i don't hear as much whining and complaining oh i can't oh mother's doing this oh mama won't do that and that's why i say self-care setting boundaries the caregiver guilt you have to know how to manage that. You have to be able to read that. So having someone come in and having someone telling you these are the warning signs and also two different stages of disease, you know, you're going to have to, you know, start implementing probably even more self-care because as the person deteriorates, they need more, they need more care that you may not be able to give. So that's when part of your self-care is hiring a caregiver or even making the decision of putting someone into a facility and that's okay and that's okay but you have to sit down and 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 determine that you know again what you can and what you can't do but if you don't do it you can gain weight you can have high blood pressure you can have a stroke and you can die before the person that you're giving care to and you don't want that <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of counterproductive isn't happens, it <laughs> what if you're an only child and you're so busy taking care, taking care, and you die, do you have something in place to take care of that person? You know, Roz, life is complicated, right? And so is caregiving. And to hear about these challenging aspects of it, um, uh, you know, I, I would have to believe that there's people that are just naturally cut out for this and some that, um, you know, come into this career. And there's got to be, it's got to be really rewarding despite its complications and challenges. So 
Let me ask you this as we round out the program. What are some common, maybe misconceptions about caregiving? Uh, Maybe you could give us one or two things like, um, I had no idea that I would encounter this thing um, that may be a complicated situation or or uh, also give something that I never knew that there would be this type of blessing involved in caregiving. The lady I was telling you about earlier that lives in Knoxville, she and her mother at one time did not have a good relationship. And now it's turned into a good relationship. And she said, I could, she said, I could never have imagined that this would happen. That's been a blessing. On the other side, I have a client that um, mother has all times in dementia. And so she's repeating herself. She's in that stage now where she's repeating, repeating, repetitive, and it's, it's getting to her. And so that's, that's, and I said, that's where the self-care comes in and you have to step back because you're in it too much. And so you have to allow someone like me or maybe take them to an adult daycare or somewhere else to give both of you all space. Because as the, as the person declines, as the person, you know, uh, starts to transition in whichever way they're going to do, you know, we have to understand that the person that they once were is not the person that they are now. And it's hard for us to see that because we've always seen our parents or aunt, aunt, uncle, whoever, as as our heroes, our mentors, uh, whoever. And to see them, you know, do this. And also, too, when you have someone move in with you, you figure that, oh, they're just supposed to sit and do nothing. And that's not always the case. They just need for someone somewhere to be safe. And they know living with you being safe, but don't take away their independence. That's the biggest thing. They still want to be able to, if they can drive, let them drive. If they can cook, let them cook. If they can sweep, mop, whatever they want to do, still let them do that. But don't have them come in the house and sit in a rocking chair and just rock. You're taking their life away and you're cutting it short. Wow. So this is excellent advice. And I hope our listeners um, not only are, are taking this advice um, themselves, but I hope that they will share this episode because there's a lot of caregivers out there that need to hear this message. And then there's a lot of us out there that have not had the opportunity yet presented to them that they have been faced with being a caregiver but they probably will at some point in their lives. So what great advice. Um, How exciting uh, it is to see you unintentionally fall into senior care and caregiving, Um, but what uh, a blessing it is to see how you have thrived now touching people even outside of your community uh, through a virtual platform and being a virtual caregiver. What a cool concept. Thank you for all that you do. Lucas, I can't wait for our audience to be connected with what Roz is doing. Absolutely. We'll make sure that we connect with Roz and our show notes. And Roz, we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being a great caregiver. You know, the I hear um, you know, people talk about dignity, and it's just such an important thing as, you know, life is complicated and God willing, we all get old. And when we do, we want somebody like Roz to come by our side to help make sure that we have that independence and dignity that we deserve, right? Yeah, and it's important. Always remember, just because 
because somebody's retired doesn't mean they want to stay in the house. The lady that I'm taking care of now, we go out on, we call them field trips. I'm not going to tell you where the field trips are because that's our girl time. But we go out on field trips and we do girl stuff. And that's okay. You know, if, you know, if we want to go out and get a drink or get our toenails done or our hair or whatever, just ride. Do that. Just because you're retired and you live in a facility doesn't mean your life is over. Doesn't mean your life is over. And, and and I want you to remember that. You know, just remember that people still have purpose. This lady was a CPA for God knows how long. And her mind is still sharp. She still reminds me, your taxes gotta be done, your quarterly taxes are due. You know, your annual your annual payment is due on your business license. Yes, ma'am. Okay, she still got it. She just retired two or three years ago. She's 90. She worked all the way up till she was 87. Wow. I, I brag about her all the time. She is one of the rare, rare people that worked that long. Fabulous woman, smart woman. Still has purpose. Don't take that away from them. Please don't. 100%. I'm a firm believer in what you just said, Roz. Uh, as long as we have breath, regardless of our frailty, our disabilities, we have a God-given purpose on this earth. Yeah. And a big part of the caregiving is reminding um, our elders uh, that they've got purpose. Thanks again for being with us. What a great show. Yes, yes. So we'll connect with Roz in our show notes because I know our listeners are going to want to follow you. You do videos on social media. And now as our world is becoming more and more virtual, people are going to have more and more ways to connect with you. Thanks for spending time with us today, Roz. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. And thanks to all of our listeners, especially the caregivers out there during this whole crazy year that we've had. Remember to say no and remember to do some self-care and know that we are rooting for you and we're thinking about you and praying for you. Thanks for everybody for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridge the Gap, the senior living podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So visit btgvoice.com for all things about the podcast. Powered by supporting partners, One Day, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity.